0: You're tuned in to the Comics Pals Podcast. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who've decided to record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Yeah,
1: we're the nerds who give the bullies a swirly.
0: <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Marco was having bro, a fit of laughter as his kid. <laughs> you,
3: you got me just as I was drinking water, like at the so exact good. moment. It's the
0: best. It's really great that we can start the episode off with a laugh like that, given everything that's going on in the country right now. Uh we're not gonna talk too much about that, but uh just know that we're feeling the pain just like everybody else. And uh it's really healthy for me, and I'm sure I speak for the rest of you guys when I say uh, to come and do this with you guys, my friends, and just have a good time. so thank you, thank you, pals, for that. yes, absolutely. so let's dive right in and talk about what we've been reading. Pete, you want to start us off
2: yeah um I know i'm I'm an easy one this week. I didn't read at all uh, I'm not gonna lie. I spent the better part of the last couple of days just kind of like <clears throat> um. Just upset, so I I just really was not in a, a good place for reading or anything like that. I spent most of my time just hanging out, watching Netflix, and playing Dishonored two. So nothing from me this week.
4: Yeah, I actually uh, didn't manage much uh, reading either. I had a, a really hard week with uh, writing and everything else going on, so I uh, I I am I am low on material.
1: Uh, Phil uh it's it's good to go from a high note like that to a somber note because i didn't read anything this week either (laughs) i spent all week practically uh scouring uh the internet for like information regarding the election and stuff because uh i'm a masochist i'm a sick fuck uh (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh i did watch a lot of wrestling this week though i watched uh I watched uh, WrestleMania X Seven. Uh, a lot of people think it's the best WrestleMania ever. I don't know if that's your opinion, Sean.
0: Uh, it's up there. It's up there. When we start the wrestling podcast, we'll we'll take it there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to highlight what was on the card that night, you had Jericho versus Regal, which was a great match. You had uh, you had Benoit versus uh uh Kurt Angle round one, which was amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, You had the great Shane McMahon versus Vince McMahon storyline match where Linda McMahon kicks him in the balls. Vince, that is. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, you had, uh, in some people's opinion, the greatest WrestleMania main event match ever, uh, Rock versus Austin round two.
0: And uh, it's a good one. All right. uh, Marco, what have you read this week?
3: Uh, I guess I'm the only one who did their homework. Uh, But... (laughs) No! Oh, forget the bullies, I'm
1: giving you a swirly.
3: <laughs> uh, I read a couple of things, mostly uh, number ones and stuff from images I picked up. And I read, picked up this little, this really cutesy um, issue called Magic Dough, which is about a witch who is not very powerful, but she uses magic with cooking. And so she makes monsters out of, like, sugar and stuff. And- it was very lighthearted and fun, and I can't wait for the next for the second issue. Actually, it's pretty it's pretty cool. And so, so yeah, that's it, some light reading. And I read some Sandman because
1: light reading. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, not that that's not the light reading, but I've gotten very introspective with the election and stuff, and so it's like mm, I need to. I need someone to to help guide me and help, but but yeah. So like, I, I need direction and I need some kind of influence in my life. So I've decided to read some uh, some more Sandman and stuff.
1: You, you know, real quick, uh, you talk about direction stuff. I was like a politics major in college and stuff, my undergrad. And uh, whenever uh, like an election happens, like this happened in twenty twelve, I get bombarded with people like asking for my perspective on it. Cause they think I have. <laughs> some kind of knowledge, <laughs> but but um, I've been using that to loan out books to people to borrow. <laughs> and a uh, big one, of course, has been All Star Superman because I'm like, here, this
0: will make you feel better. I did manage to read some stuff. I finished Tokyo Ghost, which was really, really good.
2: What are they got Six issues of that right now? It's
0: or? well, it's a it's ten issues, and it it actually that's the whole series. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's actually really easy to jump into if you're interested. Just ten issues, really short run. It's a, it's 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 a really great tale, one of Rick Remender's best, I would say. Uh, so if you're a fan of the kind of stuff he does, it's worth a pickup. Uh, it really kind of delves into like a technology versus nature storyline, uh, which I would say is pretty topical right now in the world we live in. And um, yeah, it's worth worth a read. But the other thing that I got to read this week, which I read just before the show, actually, uh, was Invincible Iron Man number one. It was really good. So it's Bendis, uh, who's been kind of driving the Iron Man ship for a few years now. It's Stefano Caselli, who is kind of Bendis' new artist. You know, he always kind of has like an artist that he rolls with. And right now he's the guy. Uh, it's Marte Gracia, who is the color artist. He does the color work here. He's amazing. I've been a fan of him for quite some time. And then the uh, letter is Clayton Cowles. Uh, so the book itself, is it's, it's really, really good. Um, it follows Riri Williams, who is labeled as a super genius, uh, one of Bendis's new terms. You know, he always loves to come up with his own language in his books. And so she's a super genius And uh, the book kind of just showcases her origins growing up as a young girl in Chicago who can't really relate to anyone because she's so much smarter than everybody else is. And uh, she makes a friend and then tragedy strikes. Uh, I won't spoil it, but the book takes place in Chicago. You can figure it out for yourself. Uh, It's very, very relevant to today. It doesn't feel shoehorned in in any way. And he, he really... Quickly and just one issue creates a character that there's real depth to that I think could have staying power in Marvel. And he effectively includes uh, Tony Stark even though Tony Stark is absent from the Marvel Universe. So their relationship is going to be a really interesting dynamic that I think will carry this book forward for people who do miss Tony and want to see him, but are also interested in this new character. So a really, really good issue uh, by Bendis, and I look forward to seeing what they do next.
1: So, Sean, real quick question. Uh, you said that she might have some uh, staying power. I'm wondering, in your mind, what 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 qualities are there in a character to make them impactful for a long period of time for a newer character? <clears throat>
0: That's a good question. Uh, I think a backstory that people can relate to is is something that is required. Uh, with Riri, I mean, we're talking about a genius and most of us can't relate to that, but we can relate to feeling isolated and feeling like people don't understand us. And so Bendis effectively taps into that and sort of makes that the, the dominant portion of her character less so the genius element i mean we see her creating technology and saying things that don't make a ton of sense but we also see her trying to relate to people and she does make a friend who impacts her life and i think we've all been there you know as teens, not really feeling like we fit in and then that one person or that group of people kind of come into our lives and you know show us that that we kind of do belong here on some level right exactly <clears throat> yeah exactly yes um and uh, i think uh, another element that makes her interesting is that she has a unique personality because we've never really seen uh a, a, a black teenage superhero girl before you know uh, i think there's there's one character i can think of um can't remember her name, but she has a devil dinosaur that she goes with.
2: Oh, yeah. Is her name Moon Girl? Moon Girl, Moon Girl, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moon Girl. I don't even think she was um, a teenager, though. I think she was like 12 or so.
0: Oh, okay. So it's like I
2: think Riri is actually probably more interesting because like I think like, you know, it's a very tumultuous time, right? We all remember how weird it is to be a teenager.
0: Exactly. So I encourage people to read it. I know that there was a lot of controversy surrounding this. Uh, not just because of the cover, but because, you know, there were people who were really upset that a teenage black girl is the new Iron Man, and I think you should just put that all aside, give it a chance. If you don't like it, that's fine, but just try it.
4: Isn't Doctor Doom Iron Man? Like, you would think
0: that would be more upsetting. Uh, Doctor Doom's a white guy, so...
1: <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, controversial opinion, but I bet Doctor Doom is a cooler dude than Iron Man, who's kind of a dickwad. No.
0: No.
2: <laughs> nope <laughs> just
1: moving on <laughs> shutting that down <laughs> you know what alright I uh I stand down good
0: <laughs> that was quick
1: uh unrelated Pete I have a question for you
2: I guess that means it's time for the random question of the week
1: um it's something I have been mean to ask you for a while but it's not particularly important and this goes for everyone else too uh, there's been a hot debate over the years over who is Spider-Man's greatest nemesis. When we look at Batman, people think of the Joker, or sometimes Rachel al With Superman, it's usually Lex Luthor, to a lesser extent, someone like Brainiac, or Doomsday, or uh, Darkseid, even. But with Spider-Man, it seems more divisive. Is it, in your mind, Green Goblin, Dr. Octopus or venom or is it someone else like the tarantula then
2: is flash right thompson the original venom, venom is, is eddie brock. brock yeah no well he's not totally off base the, the modern venom was flash thompson for a while but that was like when they were using him as an agent of shield and stuff it was like super weird
1: Th- that's a good question though does does eddie brock losing the symbiote for like 10 years or whatever because it was on it was on uh scorpion for um, a while
2: and then he became anti-venom yeah and- does
1: that hurt the case for Venom as being the primary
4: nemesis. I don't think so, um, and and this will go into my answer later. But it it um, it does just sort of add to that antithetical nature of the Spider-Man Venom relationship. That anti Venom being created, it sort of makes Venom his own, uh, a little bit more of a a stay a staple, uh, you know, a standalone character. Uh, that he has his own antithetical uh, opponent.
2: So I think um, I think it's an interesting question, and I I don't really think there's a clear answer to it, honestly. Um, I think the knee jerk answer is Green Goblin for me, and not even necessarily because I think he's his like truly most arch nemesis, but because I think he's caused uh, Peter the most like pain and strife.
1: Oh wait, are you, are you I think you're mistaking him for Dan Slot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I think I feel like if you've watched the show ever before, you probably know my feelings on Mr. Slot. So, you love him. Uh no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um but I I think the death of of both Gwen and Captain Stacy is something that is one of the like defining moments of of Peter's career as Spider-Man and I think um also the fact that like he has a relationship with Harry I feel like there's a lot of like there's a lot of emotion that comes out of his uh his relationship with Green Goblin but I don't feel like like he's quite a perfect foil for him in a way that a lot of like arch-nemeses are and I think to, uh to your point um, about Venom, right? About the idea that, like, we've seen uh, Venom the symbiote move from different people and it's not necessarily uh, Eddie Brock, though that's how I think most people would remember Venom. Um, does that lessen the impact of him as as being a villain? You could say that about Green Goblin, where as time has gone on, he became less of a Spider-Man-specific villain and was more of a, a force in the Marvel Universe, you know, where he, like, took over S.H.I.E.L.D. and was fighting the Avengers and uh, led the Dark Avengers and things like that. So... I think there's a, a strong case for Norman, though. I, I'm kind of inclined to lean a little bit, just maybe more towards Venom because I think like their relationship, fe- or and I'm talking about Eddie Brock's Venom, um, their relationship feels more personal because I feel like Norman more um, takes advantage of knowing personal things about Peter more so than plays on their emotional relationship. And I feel like Peter and Eddie's um, rivalry outside of you know, outside of his life as Spider Man, as well as the Venom symb- symbiote's hatred for Peter and Spider Man for abandoning it, um, just makes for for an interesting dynamic.
1: You know, I uh, I read an argument once a while ago that people's opinion on it are relative to when they started reading Spider Man. So if you read Spider Man in the sixties, you're like fer- fervently, oh Doc Gock is the worst. If you start reading it in the seventies or eighties, it's like oh Green Goblin, that fuckwad and If you start reading the nineties it's like oh venom he he's
4: definitely spider man's like primary antagonist see for me i think uh i think the uh, the venom argument it, it's it's too antithetical like it's 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 so antithetical that it's almost cliche um you know the the symbiote makes uh you know like a bizarro copy of spider man it's too obvious uh you know with superman
1: there's bizarro and there's like general zod with batman there's like a million of them there's like talon there's prometheus there's uh, mm, uh the Owl owlman there's that brown guy i can't remember his name like ravage or something
2: and i think like even in like a less literal sense you'd make that case for like the joker like that's their whole thing is they have that yin and yang and like i, was just,
4: I think that's where uh norman osborn comes in uh because he's so you know he he's so much bigger in life than Spider-Man is like, you know, Norman Osborn's the the head of a corporation. He's, uh, very arrogant. He's obviously like insane for, you know, a plethora of reasons. Whereas Spider-Man is, you know, he's a, he's more humble. He comes from, you know, smaller backgrounds of smaller means. Um, and he's done everything uh, for the most part for himself um. So I, yeah, to me the the Goblin uh, Spider Man relationship is a lot more um, arch. It's it's more of the arch. Type.
1: Do you see Green Goblin more as the Yang to Spider Man's Yin?
4: Yeah. Uh, and then I just have one one last point about Doc Ock. Um, I do think um, I see Doc Ock as more of the like intellectual villain. Uh, like, if you take, like, the, the Batman, uh, Roselle Gould relationship, that's what, that's sort of what I see as, um, Doc Or Superman Ock Brainiac. Doc Ock is, he is like a real genius and he, he has done so much to, um, Peter and to affect Peter's life. It's just, it's almost insurmountable for any other villain. Um, And we can see that in the superior Spider-Man arc. Um, uh, yeah, he he's that villain that will take it a step further.
2: Yeah, I feel like he's always been, I mean, excluding to your point, Phil, I think like in the uh, very early days of Spider-Man, I feel like since at least the 70s, he's kind of been perpetual number two in my mind. Where it's like he's always kind of nipping at Spider-Man's heels, but he's not usually like the central antagonist he's dealing with in the same way that we've seen Green Goblin or or Venom kind of come to the forefront.
1: This is the thing, though, guys. Doc Ock has definitely boned Aunt May.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that happened.
1: (laughs) On the cover of that famous issue where he gets married to her, the priest says, and now I, the web, as Spider-Man comes and slings a web at the ring.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Classic cover. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I want to weigh in here because uh, this is a this is an interesting topic. And, uh, Phil, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I think that the answer has to be Green Goblin. And I think that the reason is because when you look at Doc Ock, up until recently with Superior, I wouldn't say that Doc Ock has been a true threat to every single thing that Spider-Man holds dear. Um, with Venom, Venom's time as a villain is really short-lived, quite frankly. Uh, and he he tortured and tormented Spider-Man while he was a villain, but that didn't last too long. They've probably teamed up more than they fought each other.
2: At this point, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Green Goblin has remained a a nightmare in Spider-Man's life to the point where there were years. Around the Civil War era, where just the idea of Green Goblin coming back was like Spider-Man's worst nightmare, and then when he finally did, I mean, it was it was hell. And so I think it was worse than he could have ever right, imagined. Right. Exactly. And and I think um I think it was Kale that made the point, and I'm sorry if it wasn't that he's he kind of represents the opposite of what Peter's always been about. Um, in the sense that he's big business. He's rich. He's got everything he could ever want. He, He's kind of what Peter would, could be if he used his intellect just to get rich, you know? Um, and I think that Norman Osborn never really gave a shit necessarily about ruining Peter's life in the early goings. He was just such a force of nature and evil that once he figured out... Okay, this this is who this guy is. I'm gonna destroy him just to do it, just just because. And then incidentally, he ended up ruining his life by killing Gwen Stacy, not even really knowing how he was affecting Peter. Uh, so, I and, and then when you add Harry Osborn, there's just this web of destruction that excellent pun. Thank you. Is that, there is there a Spider Man book called Web of Destruction? Because there should be. <laughs> yeah, there has to be. Web of lies that that Norman has brought into Peter's life, and I don't think that any other villain compares to that.
1: I I just had a thought though, because we were talking about um, how uh, Doc Ock is the smart intellectual villain, like Rachel Ghoul or Brainiac, and I started thinking about like archetypes because I'm all about that, John. So you got Luthor, you got Joker, and you got Goblin, who are like the um, yin yang villains to the the big three comic book characters in our industry. You have Brainiac you have um uh Doc Ock and then you have Rachel al Ghul the really uh, like smart intellectually um and then so and then there's the antithetical like mirror image uh, villain that's like uh um Bizarro or you know General Zod um Venom but what's interesting is with Batman those characters are never on the same level as his other rogues gallery members like there they exist but there's like a lot of them they like recycle a bunch of different ones
2: like people who are like the anti-batman you're saying yeah oh okay yeah yeah i think that's that's an interesting observation i just think like i feel like batman has such a well-developed rogues gallery in a way that really no other superhero does and not to say that other superheroes don't have great villains like i love spider villains. i think spider-man
1: and Superman both but- have a really solid rogues gallery though
2: they do. I wouldn't argue that. I think it's just that, like, there are so many Batman characters that are, like, that you could think of where someone's, like, oh, like, I feel like the average person could list, like, half of, of Batman's, like, he has, like, 10 or 15 really relevant villains that he has major arcs against. Whereas, like, even with Spider-Man, where I think there is, like, a ton of great villains that, like, you could pull from, like, the Sinister Six and stuff like that, most people probably only know... Maybe four or five of them. I feel like most people don't know Superman. Can I try dilans. that?
3: Because I don't. I don't know any Spider-Man villains aside from like. Yeah,
1: like, do, do Spider-Man it. and Superman. I wonder how many you can name on each side.
3: All right, so for Spider-Man, Doc Ock, um, Venom, Carnage, uh, Green Goblin, Hobgoblin, Vulture, Electro, the uh, the Hunter guy, Cra- 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 Craven. Right? Ooh. Craven forget one of my favorites wait, 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 wait. oh lizard 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 uh um, uh not uh shocker
2: shocker yes all right that was all right that's 11 that's 11 <laughs> yeah that's 11 that's pretty that's good that's right, 10 so like
3: like those are the only ones i know that's really good though oh really
2: yeah that's but, a lot but, uh, that's a lot more than i thought you know but you read comments. well no so. I, I don't know from the game I don't know them from the comics. I don't know the comments. That will
0: do, do it. That will
2: do it. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then the uh the only the only other like super relevant villain of his that you didn't mention was like Vulture. Ray Mysterio. No, I
3: said I said Vulture. Oh, <laughs> oh Mysterio, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Mysterio, I'm, I'm glad Sean
1: appreciated that joke.
3: And and Phil for suit for Superman.
1: Do get, see if you can get five or six.
3: Alright, alright. I know Brainiac, uh Bizarro, Lex Luthor, Oh, was a lot Zod oh, Zod.
2: All right, so that's four. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off, Marco. Okay. So that's four to Spider-Man's eleven.
3: What 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 other villains does he have?
4: Doomsday. Oh, yeah. Doomsday.
3: Yeah, Doomsday. Darkseid. Uh, and Cyborg Darkside. Superman. Darkside. Cyborg
1: Superman. Yeah. Metallo. Metallo.
0: Uh, Parasite.
4: Mister Mitzel.
0: The Toy Master. Toy Man. The Toy Master. Mitso <laughs> Mister Mitzel <laughs> Mitzel-Plex. Mr. Mitzel-Plex. Oh yeah, that guy. Can you wait, Kale? Can you can you take another shot at that, please? Mixol Yeah, can everyone give a shot at saying that it's, name?
4: It's it's all consonants. Kale. Sean, say it.
2: <laughs> no, I want to hear everyone pronounce it
4: because that'll Is be fun. Mr. Is it Mister Mixolplex? Mixolplex. Pete. Mixol
2: pixel.
1: Sean, how do you pronounce it? Mister Mixixelplex. From what I understand, it's Mister Spitlick. What? Yep. I have heard I have heard Phils
4: before. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: Because on the Superman the animated series, uh, he's on it as Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey plays him, and they're like, of "How he do you, how, Yeah." And Clark Kent's reading a newspaper where he like, you know, alters reality to be in the newspaper, and he's like, "What the? How do I pronounce this?" And he comes out, and he like does like a visual reference mix. It's a blender spinning, spit, oh, lick, and he like licks.
0: So, S- Mister will spit like – all right, thank you. You learn something new every day.
1: Um, one other question on this, real quick. You know, I guess never mind. I was going to say, like, is there a, is there a character who's like the final boss for Spider-Man? Because like with Superman, they treat Dark Side
4: as that, but I was like thinking of Batman, but there's not really a final boss with that either. See, I would say for Spider-Man that Venom would be my answer. Like, I think you know, I think for that one big final fight, maybe Venom would be. Yeah, Venom or Carnage, because I think they're I think they're that powerful and that threatening that they would wreck him pretty bad.
2: I think you can make the case for Carnage because Carnage is so bad that it forces him and Venom to stop fighting. You know, like that's kind of like the true end of their like the the like to Sean's point, like Venom's like reigning as like Spider-Man's dominant villain. Like that's kind of the conclusion of it. And it's like they had to team up and fight Carnage because he's so erratic and so violent and so powerful.
0: I agree with that. The only thing I would, I would say in defense of Venom as the quote unquote final boss is that Carnage simply just wanted murder and anarchy. Venom wants Spider-Man dead. And I think that that makes him more threatening directly to Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, that's true. I think also that there's something to that idea of, like, the mirror image character, where, like, Venom is the perfect of that, because it's literally, like you said, kind of a twisted version of Spider-Man, and it's this thing that is intrinsically tied to him. Yeah, I like that segment, though. I'm looking forward to doing that next week. we, We have to, like, work out a rotation. Who comes up with the next random question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe you listeners could supply us with a random question by emailing it to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's thecomicspals
0: at gmail.com. Or hitting us up on Facebook and or Twitter. So the big news to come out, I would say, this week is that Young Justice will get a third season. Oh, uh, finally. I can't believe it's happening. Oh, honestly. finally. I've never watched this show, total uh, honesty. So... I'm gonna give this one to someone who does enjoy this show. Kale, why don't you guide us on this topic?
4: Yeah, so uh, Young Justice. Uh, the I mean, the way I describe it to people is Young Justice was like the uh, the Justice League cartoon series for fans of the Sidekicks. Uh, if you liked the original Teen Titans cartoon series, this was like a little bit more of a, a more realistic uh and more like canonical uh step toward uh the justice league series um it it uh it it follows what sort of ends up being almost the original uh teen titans lineup basically it was taken off the air on cartoon network uh after a lot of like really unplanned and surprised uh, hiatuses had a really tumultuous like release schedule, um, and so you know, uh, therefore, it got really bad ratings, and you know, nobody could watch it because they didn't know when it, when it was going to be on. A lot of different reasons for that, but uh, you know, one of the one of the big rumors is that uh, Cartoon Network was wasn't pleased with the fact that the 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 main audience was. Uh, adolescent girls um they really wanted to sell you know the young justice toys uh to to you know the boys and uh frankly this is a you know editorial at this point but their toys kind of sucked so uh nobody nobody was buying them uh so yeah it's it's a really really big deal i really enjoyed that show uh it's got one of the best portrayals of robin that i think i've ever seen Which Robin? There's two of them. Dick Grace. Really, really good show. Really great version of Robin. Uh, Really strong storyline through the first season. Second one uh, ventures off a little bit. Five-year jump gap into the future. Yeah, there's a five-year jump gap where we see sort of like the transition between like Robin and Nightwing uh, to like the Tim Drake Robin uh, but it, there's a season two ends with a really strong finish that really, uh, really just devastated the fans, especially, and especially with the uh, uh, the knowledge that uh, there wouldn't be a season three.
2: So now, a uh, quick question: uh, um, I saw the headline and everything about this. I didn't like really read up on it because again, like I, I don't watch the show. Now, is it coming back to Cartoon Network? I think it's a Netflix second, like...
0: thing. Yeah, we're not. Okay, cool. Uh, I, yeah, don't it, I don't think it is a Netflix thing.
4: I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there were uh, rumors that it would be on Netflix a few months ago, uh, but I, I don't believe anything's been confirmed either way. All we know is that it's it's being made and uh, uh, it that part has been confirmed. There will be a Young Justice season three somewhere. So back
1: when Young Justice was on the air, Cartoon Network had a Saturday morning block called DC Nation where they uh, did these animated shorts, a lot of which were really good. Like you had um, the stuff with the atom going on, um, but uh, you also had Green Lantern, the animated series, which also ran two seasons and got cut, which was a really, really good show. Um, And uh, from what I understand, this ties with the Legend of Korra too, Avatar, the Legend of Korra show on Nickelodeon or whatever. Uh, Cartoon Network executives, and there's a comma there, as in, like, the kids' channels, not just Cartoon Network. Um, They think that action shows aren't marketable and profitable. And so, like, a lot of shows circa 2012 were getting cut by these children's channels because I think kids don't have the attention span for a uh, season-long story arc of of, of an action series. And, uh, they want to make more shows like Spongebob or uh, even Adventure Time, which is a good show, obviously, but, you know, less em- emphasis on continuity than a show like Young Justice would have.
2: Right. Yeah. Not at least not in the way where you need to watch it, like directly in order for it to make
1: sense. Yeah, exactly.
2: Like you can kind of drop in and out of, of Adventure Time and get a sense of what's going
1: on. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so like DC Nation just got destroyed by like... Uh, cartoon Network's uh, executive hands, which is a shame because pr- good shows were lost.
2: Well, I mean, at least it looks like one of them's going to get a chance at another life. So
1: a- around the same time, another really good cartoon show got taken off Disney: uh, Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes.
2: That show was so good. It was,
1: it was awesome. Jeff Loeb took over Marvel's cartoon branch and decided and he needed a lighter, more movie-oriented version of the Avengers. On, as a cartoon show, which unlike the Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which was really heavily based off the 60s Avengers comics, uh, went a very drastically different direction.
2: Yeah, that, that show was great, man. It was like the team was literally the original Avengers team, you know, and like they get Cap a couple episodes in because they unfreeze him. It's like, you know, you had Ant-Man and the Wasp and like they eventually introduced like Power Man and, you know, like Black Widow. And it's awesome. Like, it was like a good mix of like all the villains and the arcs were all based on like silver age stuff but they brought in some of the elements of the more you know modern stuff like black widow who obviously wasn't an avenger at that time
1: first minus heroes was the closest thing we've gotten to the justice league cartoon i think in terms of quality
2: also spectacular spider-man was another show out around that time which was phenomenal well,
1: that was a little earlier i think because i think a little earlier i think that was like 2010
2: yeah, um, but from my understanding, I'm pretty sure that uh, both of those shows didn't end because of anything other than the fact that Disney acquired Marvel and neither of those were made by... like The Spider-Man show was made by a Sony animating team and the Avengers show, they actually spent money to produce the second season even though uh, they couldn't keep it going after that because it was so popular.
1: And, and, and now the the, the, the way... Uh, superhero cartoons are made you have shows like teen titans go or ultimate spider-man where it's more emphasis or uh, hulk agents of smash more emphasis on gags and
0: and and silliness yeah. than than
2: like slapstick humor and goofiness yeah. and disappointing
0: yep so good news for <clears throat> all fans of young justice uh I, I know that a lot of people have picked it up on netflix since netflix started uh showing the first two seasons so that's that's a big. This has been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah. So a victory for fans of the show, and I'll definitely tune in uh, when it comes up.
1: Yeah, you guys should go back and watch the first two seasons. It's a pretty good TV show. Yeah, Sean,
4: I I think you'll really like it, Sean. It's yeah, really good.
0: Yeah, I I love the the animated shows, and I just they there haven't been a lot of good ones lately. So, um, I I will definitely check it out. So another another piece of news. This one's important to me is that uh, there's, this is a rumor now, but uh, it's that the next X-Men movie will delve into the Dark Phoenix storyline. Now, Fox doesn't have the greatest track record when it comes to delivering on comic book storylines on the big screen.
3: They're gonna make it poopy. Uh,
4: it's funny you say that because the X-Men doesn't have a great track record of uh, making Phoenix storylines either. Boom! You mean the the, the comic I book I, I haven't read it. I don't like the Phoenix, so
0: how dare you listen dude <laughs> the next time I see you in person, we'll have to fight over right. this
3: I'm like I'm somewhere in between between kale and between Sean where it's like it's nothing it's, it's good I, I enjoy it, but it's nothing like spectacular or like amazing
2: yeah I'm with you Marco <sighs> okay I,
3: I like the I like the one right after the, the arc right like. Immediately after Dark Phoenix, where they're still in space, that, that was cool, and they start fighting the, the Shiar. The what?
0: The Shiar. The
3: Shiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all that stuff. Like that was kind of cool.
1: I think modern younger, I say this as a, as a person who's the same age as everyone on this podcast, but like I think I think younger readers have a hard time reading the uh, the more old Denny O'Neill or um, Chris Claremont style of writing from the seventies, um, which is a shame because I think. I think books back then knew how to tell a full story in a single issue. Just is kind of a art style that's lost in today's medium, I think. And even though it's a little it's a little uh hyperbolic in the way they tell stories, uh it was the style at the time. And with Sean, I think the Dark Phoenix saga is this melodramatic masterpiece that encapsulates what the X-Men are all about.
0: So, uh, this, this story was broken by LRM online. And uh, basically, they're saying that if, if Fox isn't entirely going to reboot the X-Men franchise, which is apparently on the table, um, then this is the direction they want to go and kind of build the franchise around, or at least for this film, around Sophie Turner and Jean Grey. Um, and, and take another stab at the Dark Phoenix story. Um, a lot of the reason why this is happening is because the contracts of Jennifer Lawrence, Michael Fassbender, and James McAvoy have expired. And so because of that, there's no clear direction for where Fox is going to take these films uh, because we don't know if they're going to resign. But Simon Kinberg, who's been a producer and a writer uh, on the series for some time, is working on a new script that keeps those stars in mind, which is a little odd, because how can you write a script based on people who you don't even know will be in the film? So, uh, this is good news for fans like me who love Jean Grey and the Phoenix, uh, I loved what they did in Apocalypse with her, even though it wasn't great, I just love to see that character on screen, um... But I think we can all probably agree that what Fox has done with the X-Men to this point has been a mixed bag at best.
2: That was kind of the point I was going to make is, like, honestly, it's hard for me to get excited about a new X-Men film at this point. Um, You know, it's like I didn't even go to see Apocalypse after I heard, like, nothing but bad things from, like, even my, like, friends who went to go see it. Um, And, like, I wasn't super excited to go see it in the first place. Like, I wanted to, but... No more than no more so than any other superhero movie at this point, and like, I do think the X Men franchise overall like has not aged well. I think like we were really into it when it was new because it was like, oh, this is a, a decent superhero movie. But those are a dime a dozen now.
1: I disagree. I think uh, I think X Men Two is a great movie.
2: I like X Men Two, and I thought um, First Class was was First good. Class is I great. Like, yeah, it was it was good.
4: Michael Fassbender. Um, it's probably my favorite actor right now but i think what what pete's saying and i think i agree is just that they're they're almost relics of a of a time that you know when marvel wasn't in the game
2: i yeah i totally agree with that i think like even just like the and granted they've like slowly gotten away from it but just like even the aesthetic of the original films it like it feels like it's embarrassed to be about the yeah. x-men
0: yep. yeah yeah
2: and it, and I I don't think that that franchise has ever totally gotten away from that.
0: I still and I, I think, totally agree. Sorry, go go ahead. Totally, totally no, agree. no.
2: Um, yeah, and I I think like with that being said, even when they do something well, it always feels a little off for me. And I think like there like there are a lot of really great casting choices. I think um you know like the portrayal of uh, specifically of um Patrick Stewart and uh, Ian McKellen as Magneto and uh, Professor X is just phenomenal. Um, They have great chemistry together. I like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, despite the fact that he's a little too tall and handsome. Um, You know, so it's like, I I like Kelsey Grammer as Beast. Like, there is a lot to like about those movies, but I think, like, going back to them, I don't think they hold up as well as, like, um, other superhero films from similar eras. You know, like, I do still think that, like, 89 Batman and, like, the first two Spider-Man movies hold up pretty well. I'm like not as jazz about the X Men films when I return to them. I'm really not.
4: How does Cyclops fare in uh, Apocalypse? I I didn't see it because I heard it was going to be terrible, and uh, I just I wasn't too interested. But uh, Cyclops is my favorite X Man. How? Uh, where does he? How good is he? Like you're into Norman Bates just before he cracks. <laughs>
0: I'm actually a huge Cyclops fan as well, Kale, so I went to the movie with an eye to how they utilized him. <laughs> I dropped I puns it. off and on like a light switch. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not even trying. This is not intentional. Excelsior. <laughs> so uh, I don't actually think he was utilized amazingly. They didn't give him a ton to do. Um, I think it, it, it was probably slightly better than the original Trilogy, where they just unceremoniously kill him off in Last Stand. Um, I think that there was reason to be hopeful for the future of Cyclops based off of Apocalypse, but in that individual movie, I wouldn't say that they really did a great job with him.
4: Yeah, after after the Last Stand, my my big thing was always sort of like you know I'll I'll watch another X Men movie uh, when they can figure out how to treat Cyclops like Cyclops like you know this is a character that for you know whatever argument you want to make is the bedrock for the X-Men and in yeah, a pop just, culture
1: sense it feels like in the last 20 years he's just been a cuckold for Wolverine <laughs> like,
4: yeah exactly you're right yeah unfortunately. and that's yeah i
2: would agree with that
4: and and that's sort of been my standard for the X-Men movies and i've yet to see that work in my favor
0: uh I I just want to say as far as the the X-Men movies are concerned I totally agree with Pete in that they seem Fox seems to be uncomfortable with the source material. Uh and that's really sad and that doesn't work today because you have Marvel and DC for better or worse who are diving right into, you know, the comics and retelling stories and all that kind of stuff and 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 giving us the colorful costumes and and everything else. I it feels and, like
1: DC is ashamed of their material too though.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I think so too. Well, like I, I Warner think, Brothers, I, at least I think the the argument could be made. Yeah, but I but I I I think if that were totally true, we probably wouldn't have seen Suicide Squad,
2: or or like Aquaman, yeah. You know, it's like I I I think like I agree with what Phil's saying to a degree. No, um, no, I don't no, know no, if it's a hundred percent that they're though.
1: doing it. They're doing the characters so liberally, though. I think like you're yeah. talking about Aquaman. She's not wearing an orange shirt. Obviously, he doesn't always wear an orange shirt, but that's a very deliberate, conscious choice. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's definitely true. Point. That's definitely true. But when it comes to the X Men, if you look at their best films, right? Like generally speaking, I would say people agree their best movies are first class. Days of Future Past and X Two, the Wolverine to a lesser extent. None of those three that I mentioned feel like comic book movies. They like First Class and Days of Future Past don't have to be X Men movies at all. They're definitely not First Class. That could be that that could be anything, um, and that's what bothers me. The Avengers, for better or worse, whether you like it or not, is definitely a representation of the comics, and I don't feel that the X Men films, at their best, are representations of those characters in the comic
1: books you know what though they're they're adaptations and they could be i think i think it's fine to be liberal when you adapt content because i don't think it has to be exactly like the source material so when it comes to a movie like x2 or first class i'd rather sit and watch that than the avengers or age of ultron which are not very good movies in my opinion
2: oh my god i honestly like i can't believe you'd feel that way like i don't like age of ultron but the avengers i don't
1: really enjoy that movie very
4: much
2: i think that's actually like maybe the best
4: this might have to be a An episode on its own, but, uh, yeah, Phil, Phil, sorry, that's wrong. You're wrong. (laughs) Well,
2: uh, I I think,
1: I think we should table this conversation. Fair enough.
2: I think we should. Um, I do just want to make one last point, um, about the X-Men movies before we move on. So I think like I'm with Phil in, in regards to like, I don't think an adaption needs to, uh, mirror the source material per se, but I think it, an adaption needs to honor the source material. And I think the X-Men movies miss a lot of really important things. And I think, like, to me, actually, maybe its most glaring thing is um, is specifically its treatment of, like, the visual aesthetic of Wolverine. I think, like, um, Brian Singer's attitude that, like, people don't want to see Wolverine in, like, a big, goofy jumpsuit is, like, A, not true. And B, I think it's uh, – it misses, like, an important – thing about the character right is like when you see wolverine alone you see wolverine in that like very wild and kind of like i don't give a shit and like he can be a very um he can be very far away from the way we see him when he's at the x mansion where he's with the kids and he's a teacher and he's a mentor and i think him putting on the suit and like like that's not something that Wolverine like. It seems like Logan would do, but that's something that Wolverine would do. And I think having that distinction of his character of showing him having that solidarity with the X Men in this big goofy jumpsuit is like. I think that is an important thing for like his development as um, Wolverine versus in
1: Logan. the comics, maybe, but in the movies, it's a completely different continuity. And
2: I know, I know, and I'm saying I don't like that. I think it betray it misses a point of the character. I guess like that
1: we talk about like. The, the loyalty of, of adapting source material but for a lot of people's money the best superhero movie is The Dark Knight and that movie like the X-Men movies, are as, as, as little of a Batman movie as you can get because it could be anything it could just be a dude running yeah, in a Batsuit well,
4: but the point is
1: he's still in a Batsuit like not only Batman. is he still, and in Wolverine's a wearing a big X on his shirt and his leather plaid outfit. But it, it,
0: yeah, but like that's not the same. Yeah, th- there's, there's and
1: he's a got cause. That's the most iconic symbolism of the character.
2: No, you but like you're missing Wolverine the point about. I'm making about why he puts on the suit. And I think like with Batman, it's like yeah, the Dark Knight does get far away from the source material, but the relationship of Batman and the Joker, which is the core of the two characters, and like of the source that they're adapting, is still present in that.
1: So film. why is Wolverine wearing black? Whether when he goes to fight Magneto, whose entire rhetoric is talking about Homo Superior over Homo Sapiens, like that's the same thing. It, it captures the meat of the of the the content. It captures the 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 symbolic point. Both movies do that.
0: I disagree. Table let's, it. We're tail yeah, on this let's, shit. Let's, uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Let's bring this back. Next week's time. episode, I think.
2: Sure. Yeah. Let's do it.
0: So, in sad comic book news this week, uh, obviously Donald Trump is our new uh, overlord in America, and not everyone is happy with that. Um, I'm ecstatic. And... I don't know about
3: you guys. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: One, one person Goodbye, in particular... Everyone. <laughs> Take care, Phil. Uh, one person in particular who is not happy with this is Umberto Ramos. Uh, he is a comic book artist who has spoken his mind on facebook about this uh about this topic and about donald trump and uh i'm not going to read the entire post if you want to check it out for yourself you can check out his facebook page but essentially the
2: link in the description below
0: yes essentially what he says is that uh he doesn't feel comfortable anymore uh in this country knowing that a large majority of the people here uh, don't want him, in his mind, don't want him here. He feels that people who voted for Trump uh, basically voted him out, basically, you know, are saying we don't care about minorities, we don't care about women, we don't care about uh, LGBTQ people, and so he's opting out and will no longer go to uh, conventions or signings or anything of that nature that take place in states that voted for Donald Trump. Uh, so, I mean, it's a very respectful post. I want to say uh, it's not inflammatory in any way. It's just his honest opinion about uh, where the country is headed. Um, and I, I, I can't really argue against his general point, but I will say that not everyone who voted for Donald Trump uh, feels that way. And 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 in these con- or in these states. That he's no longer going to be showing up to. Uh, there's a lot of fans, right? There's a ton of people who who want to see him, and I don't know that they should be deprived of having the experience of seeing him signing and signing and everything else, just because that state made a decision. You know that those individual fans shouldn't lose out on that opportunity.
2: I'm I'm with you, Sean. I uh, I think it's unfortunate that um that that's going to impact those fans who do want to want to meet mr ramos but uh i can also understand the way he feels you know i i can only imagine um how i would feel if i was in his position you know um because I, I i can't you know it's like i'm i'm a white man and like most of my uh emotions about about this are, are on on behalf of other people that i'm concerned for you know not myself. So um, while I'm disappointed to hear that that's the de- the decision that he's made, uh, I also wouldn't say I don't support it because I can understand why he feels that way. And you know, he might change his mind. You know, it's like the, I, I can understand why, you, especially today, right, or this week that you would feel so emotionally charged and so um, upset because I know I feel that way.
1: That's like the scary thing. Oh, I was going to get political, but. <laughs> everyone's like, "Oh no,
2: no, do it, man, do it. We're here. That's what we're doing." This is
1: the scary thing is obviously this week everyone's emotionally charged, but like this should be indicative of like things that need to change, right? But the concern is the return to apathy.
2: Well, and that's why I think you know the best that we can do uh, is use the platform we've been given here to to try and talk about these issues a little bit. So. Hopefully we didn't lose you guys here. Uh, we're gonna get back to the fun stuff. In no, day.
1: listen, you can fuck off if you don't want to listen to us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't don't
0: curse our fans. Thank you
1: very
4: much. Don't curse the pals. I'm I'm a heel, fuckers. Don't don't do it more than you usually do. Um, I think I th- I think like sort of the problem with this, and I and I say this with full full respect toward uh, Mr. Ramos's. Uh, position uh, and decision it, it it does come at a time when everything is so emotionally charged that uh it does also sort of paint a sweeping generalization
2: picture well i think to sean's point not everyone in those states voted trump either yeah so it's like you know maybe none of his fans voted trump and you know then now those people have to
4: and even if they did like you know that it doesn't mean they did it for those reasons.
2: That's a good point, right? That doesn't, like, invalidate them as people either. Texas, which is a huge red
1: state. You've got people protesting in Austin. Like, there's a lot of very liberal people. But at the end of the day... Especially in Austin. Yeah.
2: Like that's like a it becoming like a a really huge liberal pocket because it's like the tech industry is is moving there a lot yeah. because of the tax. Houston
1: breaks. too is also very blue, but you know, and and of course, any convention in any state, even if you go to New York or California, you're going to find Trump supporters there just because that's 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 this how it is. But at the end of the day, I think you can't tell someone how to feel.
2: No, right. I I, that I think I want to again reiterate that we are not doing that. We absolutely understand the way he feels. Um, you know, I it's think he's just...
3: taking it up the bum personally. It's like, like being like, "Oh, I feel unwanted and stuff." It's like, as as someone uh, as a child of immigrants, like I've grown up with that. Like, wh- whether it be here or whether it be back in, in Ecuador when I go visit, like I'm not a citizen or I'm not a person of either place, right? Because when I'm here. I'm not an American. I'm I'm Hispanic. When I'm over there, I'm a Hispanic. I'm I'm American. And it's just a duality that I deal with. I have to deal with you know, and I have like the entirety of my life. So for him to say like that, that he's get, that we're getting singled out, it's a reality that I've lived the majority of my life, and I don't think it's fair that he that he does that that he's going to do that and he, that he thinks that it, it's just it's spiteful. And I don't I, I disagree.
0: Okay. With him. Fair enough. I think we've all made our our points very well on this subject. And, uh, you know, you guys are free to feel however you want. And I would love to hear from you guys, the pals, the fans out there, um, what you think about this issue. So definitely leave us comments and uh, share your opinion.
1: And Umberto, if you're listening, come join us on the show. We'll talk it out with you.
3: Yeah. The one thing we need now more than anything is just to have a dialogue.
1: A little pal therapy. Yeah,
2: I, I absolutely agree with that point, Marco, is that right now I think um, the most important thing is for us to be open and to talk to one another you know, and, and to try to have these conversations that are not so easy. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, again, to, to Sean's point, if you guys listening uh, want to weigh in, please let us know in the comments. Hit any of us up on Twitter or uh, or again, please send us an email. Uh, if you guys want to like have your questions read on the air, we would love to do that. So please email us at thecomicspals at gmail.com.
0: So, now for a little bit of fun. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> now, let's... let's on, on that note of we all need to get along and accept one another, let's alienate some listeners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, none of us here on the Comics Pals podcast are huge fans of our new um, president. Our president-elect. President-elect. <laughs> the demagogue <Yeah>. himself. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, we're going to talk about which supervillains... We would prefer to be the president elect over Donald Trump.
4: We can make this. We can uh, make this point uh, as far as Hillary too, because she she's not exactly the the shiniest peach in the basket. Fair
0: point. <laughs> so so who who would we have voted for? What what supervillain would we have voted for in this election, if possible? Marco, go ahead.
3: So so as a third party, right? I didn't vote third party. I'm just saying. Like, But like, as a third-party candidate, it'd be hilarious if Woodrow, Woodrow uh, the Floronic man, was part of the Green Party, and was his, his <laughs> entire platform was on environmental protection.
0: Did anyone else get what he just said? Well,
1: I'm glad you asked, Sean, because I'm looking at our, our live listener feedback, and it just <laughs> nosedived real hard. It's a flat line, and there's crickets is <laughs> <just> chirping everywhere. <laughs>
2: I'm guessing that's a Swamp Thing
3: villain. No, Floronic Man is actually a Flash villain. That uh, he was repurposed for uh, Swamp Thing, but he was originally a Flash villain. So,
1: <laughs> wait, he's a Flash
0: villain. Uh, what's his power?
2: He has control and like. stuff. All right, so there's our third party pick. Yeah, I
0: I would actually choose Magneto. Okay, I would I would absolutely. Oh
2: wait 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 Magneto can't run for president.
0: oh not
2: not an american you
0: neither
1: was dr doom fuck it who cares they could forge their citizenship neither was obama
0: oh phil (laughs) (laughs) please please (laughs) just please just say that you're kidding
1: yes i'm kidding listeners
3: but they should be american i think like in order like to legitimate run for president yeah all right okay Okay. and over the age of 35
0: Okay. So uh, well, a lot of these guys are old as shit. With that in mind, then my, my second choice is Norman Osborne. Now, I know I know that a lot of people don't really care for the man. He has made some mistakes in his history, right? But uh <laughs> wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. we're talking about Norman Osborne. We're
0: talking about Norman Osborne, yes.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. I just wanted to make yeah. sure.
0: <laughs> uh, he listen, he's reformed, all right? Uh he hasn't been active as Green Goblin in many years, alright? He spent a lot of time. In a psychiatric hospital, he he had his therapy, uh, and I think that we know based on what he was able to accomplish as the head of Shield that he can really lead people. Uh, he's a great public speaker. Um, I think that I think that Norman Osborn understands the times that we're in, and he really could unify us all. Um, during the during the period after Civil War, where he got into power, he really put. Uh, the clamp on superheroes and that's what we needed at that time i mean like it or not they were causing a lot of problems a lot of destruction new york city place was a mess and we needed someone a strong leader to come out in defense of the people and against superheroes and that's what we got in norman osborne so i believe that norman osborne should be the president of the united states because i think that he would unify us all i really believe that i think norman osborne can make america great again
2: there you go. <laughs> <Lord> Osborne
0: 2020.
4: <laughs> Kale, who's your nominee? Yeah, that was good. I uh, I feel bad that I'm that, about that's to- That's at the bar uh, right there, by the way. John yeah. just at the bar. That did. Uh, I'm going to shatter it because I'm going to go so far through it. like. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to run on a platform uh, of emperor of uh, the United States. Uh, I think our our, our Japanese friend uh, Shin Godzilla <laughs> no. should be uh, emperor of. Uh, <laughs> he's of, not uh, the United States. Uh,
1: he's not American. He's not a human. He is over thirty. No, he's not over thirty-five. He's also
4: Japanese. not a human, he's, so that doesn't. I mean, he could be from anywhere. He could. Yeah, you know, That's
2: important, Sean. You don't have to be a human ageless to be president.
4: Also, uh, are you going to tell Godzilla she can't run for president emperor? Because I'm yeah. not. She's I'm Japanese.
2: Not. No way. Can't ha- can't work. We need an American citizen. Yep. Sorry,
4: Kale. Well, that's that's also that's also why I qualified it as emperor.
0: <laughs> Show me her birth certificate, Kale.
4: <laughs> emperor of the United States, not president. <laughs> she she's taken over this mother.
0: Phil, why don't you go ahead with your pick? Oh, all right. <clears throat> So, Sean,
1: mine's going deliberately and and directly against your opponent. I'm nominating President Lex Luthor. Now, Lex Luthor is from Smallville, Kansas, and he has worked for everything he's had. Unlike Norman, he's no trust fund baby. I don't know if he's a trust fund baby. I'm already slandering him because fuck this. This is politics, baby. Anyway... Uh He identifies all the serious problems, like Norman and Donald. He's got this business acumen, which is, you know what? I'm tired of these uh, Washington, D.C. insiders, okay? They're tearing our country apart, and they're not representing my needs. And, you know... What's really bothering me, we have all these superheroes just running around destroying cities with their collateral damage. Luthor understands this. He understands it's a problem. And unlike Superman who's perfect in every way, Luthor is the real Superman. He's the best and the peak that humanity has to offer, and he'll save us from the kryptonite meteor that's hurtling toward us as we speak. Like Luthor for president.
0: He's also going to stop illegal aliens. Yeah. Can I retort? Because I, I actually... I, I need to counter that right now, okay? <laughs> wait, 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 bro, hold on. I gotta establish okay, my Okay, Sean, candidate. write it down. Go ahead. Write it down, Sean. Go ahead.
2: I am gonna nominate Dr. Otto Octavius.
0: Oh my god.
2: Because, like... Like his competition, he's a learned man. He's uh, been a captain of industry, as seen by his time uh, taking over Peter Parker's life and basically turning it around. Unlike... Unlike his opponents, he doesn't have the stink of big business (laughs) and the establishment. Norman Osborn worked for a military organization. Lex Luthor, man, Lex (laughs) Luthor, if you knew, if you knew even one third of the things that go on in the basement of LexCorp building, you wouldn't think twice about electing that cue ball. (laughs) Dr. Otto Octavius, he's got a bowl cut that you can believe in, Okay. (laughs) He's got the fashion sense of a WWE wrestler (laughs) on cocaine.
0: Oh, macho man. Dig it, brother.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's like, not only is he a genius who's a hundred and thousand, just thousand percent qualified to run the country, he's, he's going to make you laugh and not, not like along with you kind of like at him, but I mean like, Hey, that's like, we let Donald Trump get that far as a, as a joke before we realized how serious a candidate he was. Why can't we do the same for Otto Octavius? Otto Octavius, 2020. If you
3: guys are hungry for change, vote Woodrow, because he'll give you the munchies. Oh my
2: <laughs> God.
1: <laughs> so we have third party candidate uh, Woodrow. We have the Emperor Party candidate Shin Godzilla. Shin Gojira. Uh we have uh uh two different business party candidates in Norman and Lex. Yeah, they're both Republicans. Let's just say that. And
0: then and then we have uh, science party, Doctor Octopus. Okay, now let me let me counter both Pete and Phil. Okay, number one. Are you just Phil. gonna ignore Kale? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and the green party, but the green party is used to it. One of one of those candidates can't even run. Okay, and the other one is irrelevant. So. <laughs> Phil.
2: (laughs) Nobody votes third party. With relation to Lex
0: Luthor, you, 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 you gave a very eloquent speech, but you left out and ignored one key point. Lex Luthor has never gotten anything done with relation to dealing with the illegal alien problem in Metropolis. Superman is still around. Lex Luthor has solved nothing. He is a failure, an abject failure. We all know it. We've witnessed it with our eyes, and he cannot get the job done. As far as you go, Pete. Dr. Octopus is an absolute terrible candidate. No one knows what he did as Peter because he was Peter. Everybody thinks that Peter created Parker Industries, not Norm uh not Dr. Octopus. So he's irrelevant. In the in the eyes of the public, he's a loser. Look at his hair, okay? He's he's trash, alright? Whoa, and, he's and, and, We need and, to introduce so trash more. Norman Osborne. Norman Osborn is the only candidate that we've addressed here today who has achieved goals, who has succeeded not only in business, but in politics, who made promises to deal with the superheroes and achieved those promises, not to mention he saved the entirety of the planet Earth from the Skrull invasion by killing the Skrull Queen. What more can you ask for? Vote Osborn.
2: You know what I can ask for? Accountability, Sean. He formed the dark avengers he took a group of violent sociopaths and passed them off as heroes
0: we all have flaws is that the kind of man <laughs> that you want
2: running the Oval office yes is that who you want yes is that who you Some, want your children looking up to sometimes the ends bullseye. justify the means and
4: to be fair uh bullseye was hawkeye when he was in the uh, dark avengers the general public had no no knowledge
0: thank you kale appreciate it
2: buddy yeah, well you know what? Dirty laundry comes out.
0: <laughs> would you would you really want to mess with a candidate like Norman? Would you really want to put his uh his uh, indiscretions out there for the public?
2: Mm? Oh, so is that a threat? No, not at all. That's what that sounds like. A Dr. Otto, Otto Octavius doesn't take threats likely, Sean.
4: <laughs> also, I would I would like to point out that uh Norman Osborne is uh friendly with uh the religious parts of the country. He started, uh, multiple goblin cults, um, to, you know, to fight the, uh, Spider-Man menace and, uh, to, you know, to really, uh, crack down on
0: heroism, frankly. You're not helping me, Kale. Goblin cults? That sounds weird.
2: Yeah, he's starting cults. He's fighting that's, against heroes. He fought against Captain America, Sean. You think we can elect a man who fought against Captain America? Kale
0: is trying to downplay my candidate because no one is going to vote for his. He's just trying to tear the whole thing down. Ignore. Well, him. Yeah. My vote candidate's Norman. Godzilla. That's exactly what I'm doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're tearing it all down, the whole
3: establishment. Unfortunately, my candidate doesn't know what Aleppo is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Can your can your candidate name at least one other supervillain? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Phil, go ahead.
1: Folks, if I could just get a word in edgewise. Luthor, <laughs> along with his running mate, the Macho Man Randy Savage, when he was a heel. <laughs> go on. So, Lex Luthor may have not been able to stop the illegal alien problem that is Superman. But... That's because he doesn't have the proper resources. As president, he would actually have control of the full US military, be able to contract various other superpowered beings to fall in line and help stop the illegal immigration of aliens onto planet Earth. Uh, along with that, he's formed a Legion of Doom. He, in alternate realities, which we know because Luthor has the ability to look into other dimensions because of his incredible acumen and intelligence. When, when there is no Superman, this is a man who can cure cancer, but because of the threat of illegal aliens, he doesn't have the time to do that. Platitudes. So when you talk about hair, we have an individual with immaculately shaped skull, as opposed to some kind of wannabe beetle haircut, and I don't even know <sighs> what's going on with Norman's hair. It's real. It's like
2: white white man dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And if you think he's unrelatable, that's where the Macho Man comes in. He's the everyman, brother. Dig it. Vote Luthor Savage, twenty twenty.
2: How how are your candidates going to put aside their business investments and their you know their you know their relationships with uh, businesses overseas that might interfere with their ability to delegate on such? It doesn't matters.
0: matter cause Trump's president. Norman Osborn. <laughs> Norman Osborn. <laughs> And this is what it all boils down to. Norman Osborn has displayed his capacity to do all these things. He already worked in the government. He ran S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Uh, Phil, all I heard from you was that Lex can't get the job done because he's too focused on Superman. How are you focused on doing the same thing for over a decade and you don't get it done? He's a failure. He just can't do it. And Norman can because he has. Focus on the current. Focus on the here and now, right?
1: If we want to focus on the here and now, then we should talk about Luthor's ability to establish LexCorp as the most profitable business on the planet next to Wayne Tech, or Wayne Wayne Enterprises. I was like, oh boy, what's the name of that thing? We
3: talking about Lex Luthor's emails, because I think
4: that's <laughs> <laughs> We don't need to talk about Lex Luthor's emails. Um, If it's okay, I would like to answer the question at hand. My candidate, Emperor Shin Godzilla, is uh a very well-known Uh, candidate all over the world she's had she's had multiple multiple uh trips to japan where she's had uh just a romping good time with everyone there she uh very familiar uh with new york um and san francisco
1: kale i can't sit down and have a beer with Godzilla. okay I can't relate to that candidate.
2: I mean, my question, though, is, like, are we really ready to have our first 30 story tall female Japanese president? Like, are we ready for Monster that?
0: radioactive lizard president. As a, as a nation. No. So, so let's just make our final points with regards to our candidates. And then the pals at home can vote for who the next president of the United States will be. I like it. Phil, why don't you start us off?
3: Oh fuck! Okay,
0: <laughs> I was like <laughs> closing arguments. No, Mark, are
1: you started us off? You're the third party candidate. No one takes it seriously.
3: So once again, Woodrue is for the people and for the plants of America to make sure that if any of you are ever would ever be elected president, you will ruin the earth. But Woodrue would not. The Floronic man is that he is for the flowers and the people, um, for the people. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Also, that is my closing argument.
1: Well said. If you want to throw your vote away...
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, if you want to throw it into greener pastures, go for it.
4: Here's, here's what I'll say. Uh, we've talked a lot about um, illegal aliens and uh, threats to both uh, the country and the planet. Uh, so, what I will uh, say is that uh, Godzilla has uh radioactive white light lasers that come out of the plates on her back. Suck on that.
1: Alright, I'll take us now. Since I was supposed to leave us off anyway. So I did some research looking into Forbes magazine. Luthor has successfully turned Lexcorp into the most profitable business in the world more profitable than stag cord industries queen industries uh and wayne enterprises now does that sound like a failure to you and all you have to do is look at what luthor has done as president of the united states he toppled the corrupt communist superman regime that threatened our very existence on the planet earth that's the kind of thing that you know he can do as u.s president and that's the kind of threat that our alien overlords posit on all of us if you really want to feel safe going to bed at night knowing that there's a threat out there you're gonna vote for lex luthor to be the next 46 president of the united states of america
2: let's be real america the only way forward is with science. So what el- what other option do you have than to elect a man who has dedicated his life to the pursuit of knowledge, not the pursuit of... or not living in the shadow of Superman or living as a violent sociopath? Vote Otto Octavius. Doctor Otto
0: Octavius. All right, and now the... Only candidate that matters <laughs> will have his final say. I already spoke. <laughs> Sassy Marco. I don't even remember the name of your candidate, so <laughs> there's that. Now, Cale, your candidate is a threat to the world, and that's a threat that Norman Osborn will deal with when he becomes the president of the United States. Good luck. Phil? Your candidate is a self, self-obsessed narcissist who has yet to be able to deal with Superman. And the reality is that until he can, because that's what he's run on, that's been his platform the entire time. That sounds like our current president-elect. We will see him as a failure and he will never be electable because he can't deal with Superman. Let's just face facts. Pete, Otto Octavius, he's another failure. How do you think he got those tentacles attached to his back? Failure. I think that's triumph. <laughs> his haircut? That's triumph. Failure. Yeah. It sounds, like,
4: sound, sounds like uh, accomplishing goals to me.
0: In fact, he's unemployed right now. He has no job. <laughs> we can't elect someone who can't even hold a job, right? But Norman, He has
2: one job. One job campaigning to be your
0: president. <laughs> Norman Osborn. He's a champion of the people. Again, I have to reiterate, he killed the Skrull Queen after the secret invasion. He led us to a superhero crackdown, a successful one at that. He created a team of Avengers who actually got things done and who protected the people. If you want to sleep well at night, as Phil said, you won't elect any of these other candidates because they can't get the job done. But if you elect Norman Osborn, you can rest assured that there will be a man in the White House who cares about you and your safety so that you never again have to fear walking down the street, going about your business and being hit in the head by Captain America's shield or having your home destroyed by the Hulk or having your home blasted to smithereens by Iron Man's Unibeam none of those things will happen under norman isn't
1: now well, i could be wrong but isn't norman osborne under uh investigation and in, in the midst of a lawsuit for uh sexual assault
0: on a young woman first of all those claims are unfounded i resent you even bringing that up here no one can take you seriously at this point. If you, would even, if, you would, if you would address something like that here on this platform, then clearly you are grasping at straws. And uh, quite frankly, I'm done speaking to you. I've made my point. Norman Osborn <laughs> Who's is running the candidate mate? that you all should vote for. Who is his running mate? Listen, do you really want to know who his running mate is? Don't stall. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Nor- Norman Osborn, his running mate. All right, we weren't going to reveal this, but his running mate is going to be none other than ultron
1: whoa
0: whoa whoa
1: almost as bad as mike pence <laughs> <laughs>
0: ultron ultron wants a better life for every man, woman and child on the program the gay away and robot and robot <laughs> oh
2: god deprogram the game.
0: that's 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 my closing argument and i think it's pretty clear that my candidate is going to take it so you guys at home feel free to vote you can send your votes in through twitter the youtube uh wherever you feel comfortable and we will tally them and let you guys know next week on the show who won with that we're gonna wrap up the show it's been uh it's been a lot of fun uh definitely this was a good episode this is goofy yeah Definitely do uh, let us know your candidate, your choice for president. Uh, you can do that by reaching out to us on Twitter or Facebook at The Comics Pals. Uh, you can also write to us, send us an email at The dot com. No, at gmail.com. I thought I said
2: that. You said dot. Oh. It's not a huge oh, deal. Whoops. But- Ugh.
0: And the, uh, the winner of the election will definitely give a swirly, too, because their chances are a bully. The winner of the election will give a victory speech next week, and I guarantee you it's going to be a rousing speech. So be ready for that. So now it's time for plugs. Uh, Pete, why don't you start us off?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, as always, I'm going to just thank you guys for joining us here on Episode 4. Uh, and if you guys want to see more of me, you can uh, get me at Uh, at loud underscore pete on twitter and instagram or you can check out my other youtube channel where uh, i do let's plays have a podcast every monday and a couple other things with some of my other friends it's all about video games uh slack and slash we're slack and slash on youtube or uh, slack and slash.com so please come check that out have some fun with me cool phil uh
1: if you like me uh then uh we should never talk just don't worry about me follow me on cyborg holiday on twitter and instagram i post a lot of pictures of cats and if you want to debate me,
2: mostly just one cat, though, mostly right? Like cat. it's it's just your cat.
1: <laughs> He's good. <laughs>
2: He's when, handsome. He's a nice little cat. we face the
1: climate change disaster that's impending, uh, he and I are going to roam the terrain like Mad Max and his dog. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, I think that's it. So popcorn, Marco.
4: Yeah.
3: Um...
4: Nope, Kale. Uh, Alright, uh, I'm going to plug my comics company Panels Publishing uh, We're a small publishing company that uh, puts a, a focus on uh, getting novice creators into the uh, comics world um, You can follow us on Facebook at uh, Panels Comics You can follow us on Twitter at, at Panels Comics with an X you can find uh the beginnings of our library on comiXology uh we are gradually getting more things uh, approved and up so uh we do have more on the way for comiXology but if you want uh, if you want to see the rest of our library you can find us at panelspublishing.com and uh you'll find me at Toto Into on uh everything but facebook
1: whoo <laughs> real quick we talked about victory speeches i really hope shin godzilla wins just so i can hear that speech <laughs> that's how Luther's gonna start his speech mm. <laughs> <Boys>. <laughs> uh,
3: if you guys want to hear more from me you can check out my other podcast that I help produce parlapod it's a podcast all about Swamp Thing, and then there's another weekly podcast uh, called splurge and I'm also starting up a new project so be on the lookout for that it's still under wraps so Just be on the lookout.
0: On that note, we are the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys.
2: See you next week. I love you. Goodbye. Bye.